Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. It's episode five. We've been away for a little while, but we're back now. Uh, I'm Joe Donahue, and I'm joined by Steve Ganavis and Phil Costa today. Uh, gentlemen, how, how are we both doing today? And what's new? What's new with you guys? Fantastic out here in, in sunny Melbourne. The weather's just starting to turn. Summer's coming. It's fantastic. Ready for a good chat again today. No, pleasure to be on here as always. And even though Steve's enjoying the sun, I'm back in back in London and enjoying the the nice cold weather, the rain. So, you know, it's a uh, literally a contrast of two tales there. But always always happy to be back. Yeah, we've had um, up in Leeds. We've had quite a lot of rain very recently. I mean, it was literally just been wall to wall, just downpour for the past week. So, yeah, thanks for mentioning about uh, you're just coming into summer there, Steve. Really, uh, really making me and Phil feel feel quite uh, quite summery about that. Um, but you sent a message to the chat uh, earlier today, Steve, and it was it actually caught me by surprise because you'd you'd alluded to the fact that you were going to buy um, a jersey of a certain player that we all like, but I didn't know you'd actually gone and purchased it. So, I mean, <laughs> who was it? Who did you buy? There's only one man, the man of the moment, the man of this podcast, big Erling Brouter Harland. Welcome to the the shirt collection. Uh, I don't know what number it is now. I think I'm in. I think I'm in the fifties. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can rival Alex Stewart. I don't know what his uh, his collection numbers at, but I, I'm I'm getting up there. You do have quite a a, a wide breadth of uh, collection, but I mean Erling Haaland. That's a that, that's a shirt that I really want. It's a shirt that I really want. Did did you um did you get it in in his size or did you get it in your size? Because I remember making the joke that two of you could probably fit into one of his uh, one of his shirts. No, just the just the stock standard M. I uh, I might need a few more years at the at the gym before I'm uh, anywhere near the the size of the big man himself. Yeah, he is a complete freak, isn't he? It's just it's obscene. It's been a week of interesting football as always. Uh, plenty of narratives and storylines to cover. Um, in this episode, we are going to discuss a few standout performers that uh, that we observed over the weekend and, and over the past week. Uh, there was quite a few. I mean, Lee Kangin got his first um, La Liga and Valencia goal uh, last midweek. Uh, Ollie Watkins scored a hat-trick of headers for, for Brentford uh, at the weekend. Um, again, Red Bull Salzburg doing bits, scoring four goals in, in the Austrian Bundesliga. You know, there's plenty of things going on. Uh, but Steve, um, you have a guy from uh, Colombia, I believe, that you, you, that you watched. Uh, he's currently playing in the Eredivisie. Yeah, so I was uh, watching a little bit of uh, young Luis Sinistera from uh, Colombia, who at the moment plays at Feyenoord. He's been there, been there for about a year now. Uh, it's one of the players that uh, kind of caught, I think, all of our eyes at the uh, at the Under Twenty World Cup this year. Uh, and he's kind of hit the ground running this season. He only played, I think, f- around fifty minutes or so uh, when I checked earlier for in the in the league for the entire season last year. Uh, but he's been a fairly regular starter. Uh, for Feyenoord under Yapstam. Uh normally plays on the left or the right, but uh, this week he he took up a role centrally uh, and was a really fantastic pivot point. Uh, quite wasn't expecting this, but a really strong creative role pivoting uh, for for Sam Larson and 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 Berghaus on the wings, uh, and he, he finished the game off with uh, with a really nice cushioned assist to to Larson. Uh, and should have had a, another assist to Larson when when he played him through uh, earlier in early in the second half. 
so he could have had two assists, only got one, and then uh, and then scored his second. Uh, uh, sorry, his first league goal of the campaign and his second goal in all competitions. Uh, so he's really starting to to fit in. He's a lovely, creative dribbler, creative passer, and if he can add that goal to his game, regular goal to his game, uh, playing as a striker, he could be a really really dangerous threat. At the moment, he uh, attempts. 5.5 dribbles per 90 in the league and completes four of them per uh, per 90, uh, which is the fourth most successful dribbles per 90 of anyone in the Eredivisie that has played uh, more than 300 minutes. So right up there on, in that stat. And there's a lot of awesome dribblers in in the Eredivisie that are, that are coming through. So that's a nice spot to be. And also averages uh, two key passes per 90 in the league. So very, very uh, multifaceted not just reliant on dribbling, not just reliant on being a creator. Uh, tall as well, a really excellent hold-up player that can can not just dribble attacking at someone, but can also uh, use his body to shield and and, uh, and protect the ball and, and bring others into the game. So he'll be an awesome one to watch uh, for the rest of the season. In this game against Twente, he completed four of his five dribbles, three key passes and had three, three shots on target, one of which, as I said, was a goal. So uh, definitely one to, to keep track of and... Uh, Awesome team to watch Feyenoord with that front three that uh, score a heap of goals. They scored five on the weekend. So, yeah, keep an eye on them. Yeah, just looking at um, at some of the stuff that we covered uh, on Sinistera at the Under-20 World Cup uh, over, over the summer, um, there's, there's a tweet here that says, a prominent part of, of that front three, Sinistera, with his direct dribbling, relentless movement and pressing and electric athleticism, mirrors Ivan Angulo on the other side. And I think just what you've been saying there, Steve, that kind of backs it up that, He's managed to keep that up in the Eredivisie and, you know, be that sort of disruptive presence in in Yapstam's side, which, you know, I mean, they're not going to compete for the title this year with Ajax and PSV much, much stronger. But I think that for, for a player like Sinistera, who was in that Colombia team, a relative standout, he was a player to watch in in that side. Um, I think the Eredivisie is a good landing point for, for him and, and to see him getting more minutes and regular minutes is is, is quite good and it's a it's a positive for sure. Yeah, and I think if he can can continue to to develop in that role through the through the middle as a striker, given he, given his size, uh, could be really damaging with all the all the functionality he brings to his game. Kind of a little bit like Tammy Abraham. There's um yeah, you mentioned there the, about his size. Um, there was another player that, that we kind of we kept up. Um, with following youth international tournaments was Ricardo Orsolini, and he's another one who can who, who does play wide. He, that is his is his birth. But being six foot tall, you know, you don't get too many wingers who are you know six foot six foot and above, um, and who can marry up their physicality with with their ability to break into dangerous areas and into the box. And and Orsolini's another one uh, who this season who's been who's been quite good for, for Bologna, you know, helping to, for them to create quite a lot of opportunities for shots for, for himself, but also for his teammates. And it's interesting, yeah, that that sort of physical profile that Sinistera might have or or, or, or Solini or Tammy Abraham, as you say, that in the final third, that they can be disruptive, they can be quick, they can be sharp. They're not one-trick ponies, you know, they're not just bog-standard target men, they're not just bog-standard wingers. You know, there's there are, as you say, multifaceted players, and yeah, I, from what I've seen of Sinistera, you've you've obviously watched a, a bit more of him than I have, but from what I've seen, yeah, he does look like a like a promising uh, promising player for sure. Phil, was there anyone that uh, that caught your eye on the weekend? 
Um, yeah, there are a few players actually. Um, one in particular was uh, Steven Bergwijn. You know, he's he was always a talented player, um, but he's in the last eighteen months, the last twelve months, he's really come into his own, and um, he actually hit a nice milestone, uh, which was uh, fifty direct goal contributions in one hundred and four appearances. Um, that's twenty five goals, twenty five assists, which is you know a nice rounded number, and um, for someone of that age. Um, you know, nearly one goal contribution in in two is is pretty decent going, uh, and I'm surprised, honestly, last year that no teams maybe pushed a bit harder for him, for whatever reason. I'm not sure why. Um, you you look at Bayern, you look at you look at Arsenal, you look at Man United, who maybe could have done with with a wide player. I mean, I know Arsenal bought Pepe and uh, Bayern brought Perisic in from Inter, but this is a guy with a really big ceiling and. He's 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 really come into his own, and, and I love his playing style. He's so direct. He's so he's so brave on the ball, um, and that's you know, and then every week you can see that that's starting to pay off now. Um, and I know we're we're big fans of Bergwijn on the account, and you know I think this season he could be a really big player for PSV. So he was definitely definitely one to, to stand out, and uh, also Martin Udegaard. Um, you know he's. It was that typical uh, broken to the scene at 15 from nowhere, uh, got his big move to Real Madrid. And then because he wasn't displacing Hamas Rodriguez and Isco in the team, people were saying, oh, you know, he's a flop. He's, he's, he's you know, he hasn't reached his potential. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. This this guy is an absolute star. Um, and honestly, in a really fun Real Sociedad team, um, he's taken that creative sort of responsibility alongside Adnan Yanazai and um, you know they're just a really excellent team to watch and his assist in particular um, on the weekend was outrageous and I'm sure uh, you guys saw it too so I'd, lo- I'd love to hear what you thought about that. I mean yeah if you haven't seen that assist then that's an absolute must see it, it, it is just even from the moment where he wins the ball he skips past one player puts it through the legs of another and then picks out the most obscene pass that you've ever seen from deep and it's just to the edge of the six-yard box. Mikel Oyatabal then scores from with his first touch, and you just think from from nowhere he's created that out of nothing. It's just absolutely brilliant from from Martin Odegaard. Um, I just want to go back to your your point about Bergwijn, Phil. Yeah, he's someone that we really really like. We've liked for quite a while, and the same as you, I was I was quite surprised uh, that in the summer no one took Bergwijn off PSV's hands because. Obviously, Lozano went to Napoli, but it was Lozano and um, uh, and also Luke Dion went to Sevilla. So that was two of their of that front three who who departed. And yes, PSV might have dug their heels in a bit with Bergwijn because losing all three would have been on the face of it quite bad. Um, Daniel Marlins obviously come in and done very well, as has Mohamed Hatteren and, and Cody Gakpo. But I was surprised uh, that no one came in and, and took Bergwijn off PSV's hands, but. I mean, he's still 21 years old. He's he's made 104 Eredivisie appearances, quite a great deal of output there. And uh, l- last season, he was he was the only PSV player to uh, sorry, he was the only player in the, in the entire league to complete um, 100 dribbles in the Eredivisie last season. So yeah, he does have that direct style and the way that he breaks. I mean, he's not even in terms of a conventional winger breaking down the wing, it's when he breaks into the centre of the pitch, he just has so many options to either side of him, but he just keeps going and going and going. And he's such an exciting player. And yes, Marlon and Ihatarin may have 
of stone in the limelight a little bit um, over the you know the first few months of this season. But Bergvine's quality is 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 top notch. It's it is really up there, and I don't think he'll be at PSV for that long. No, I mean they did a they did an excellent job of tying him down to a new deal, um, and at the end of the day, you know you want these players to be playing regular football. Um, that's how they improve. That's how you learn more about them, um, and. You know, even if even if a move didn't come off, like you said, he's still very young, and I'm sure there'll be teams, you know, keeping an eye on him. But now, PSV have, seeing as they've tied him down for a while, that that means they will also, you know, get a fair fee uh, and benefit from producing, you know, this kind of talent. So I guess it's a win-win for all parties. But yeah, he's he's looked to to be finding his feet again now, and I'm really excited to watch this PSV front line, uh, like you said, with Daniel Marlin as well, who who I'm a little bit sad about because he was at Arsenal for a few years. Um, but you know, he, again, you can see the benefits of regular football and, and is there a better place in the world to develop talent than, than the Eredivisie? I'm not sure. So, um, it's, it's one to keep an eye on for sure. Steve mentioned that Sinistera was attempting 5.5 dribbles per 90 in the Eredivisie this season, which first of all is a ridiculous number, but the fact that he isn't first just speaks volumes about that league that you've got so many direct willing runners in, in players and yes they're not they're not always successful but even still it's an exciting league it's got plenty of young players and and it's no coincidence that consistently produces players that go on to play for mid-range and, and top level sides in in Europe's top five leagues so yeah I mean great league great players you know Sinistera and, and Bergvan, um obviously two that stood out quite a lot but yeah I mean Watch more of the Eredivisie would be would be my tip. And it's not just PSV, not just Ajax. RZ with Calvin Stengs, Marin Boadu, and Idrissi up front are also uh, must-watch TV as well. So there's there's plenty to go around. Uh, a lot of quality, not just in the in the top two, but uh, definitely a bit, a bit further down as well. Uh, there's Halil Devisolu at at Sparta Rotterdam that's moving to Brentford as well. That that uh, our friend Lou has has been all over for the past year uh, since before his move to, to Brentford was announced who who's lighting it up in the in the Eredivisie this season as well so there's there's quality all over the place in in that league another standout performer not in the Eredivisie this time but from the weekend uh, was uh, in Charlton Athletic 1 Leeds United nil i mean the entire Charlton team did uh, did very well to to grind out a result there against undoubtedly one of the league's best sides and most fashionable sides uh, but the player that stood out to me was was Connor Gallagher um, who was almost like an excited puppy but his excitement comes from from wanting the ball I mean that's not to disregard him in any way because I think he's been fantastic for, for Charlton uh, this season and I think what what people need to appreciate is that it's his eighth senior game he's played eight senior games of football in his career and yet is routinely one of the better players on the pitch whenever he plays and you know he's he turned in a top draw display against the Marcelo Bielsa side that have been statistically one of the most aggressively efficient attacking sides in the league and yeah it's 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 a bit of a cliche but Gallagher did essentially play them at, at their own game um hassling and harrying from the first minute not allowing them to make their short sharp vertical interchanges his constant movement he's buzzing about everywhere and i can't stress it enough he is he is everywhere on the pitch and he might not be everywhere with the ball but 
without it, he's he's not giving any of the leads. He doesn't give any players um, a moment's peace, and I think that's that's really really commendable. It's so disruptive and and just it's great how active he always is. And at, at the weekend, we we made a we made a tweet on the account uh, after the match, uh, singing his praises, and and we called him the standout player when, when it came to uh, recovering possession, tackling, and intercepting. And somebody re- replied and said. Oh, necessarily is that enough to be a standout player uh, considering he didn't really do that much with the ball and I remember sitting there thinking about it for a while and because he did have a point you know if you don't contribute with the ball then you know how can you be a standout player but the intention of Charlton was to frustrate Leeds that was what they did that's what they did against Brentford that's what they've done in other games this season and Gallagher fulfilled that brief to a T because from the first minute he did not give Leeds a moment's peace and um, with him being a constant nuisance he, he he was the standout player for, for what Charlton set out to achieve so yeah I mean that was that was my standout um, contributor for, for the for the weekend um, Connor Gallagher um, we've, we also wrote a piece um, and published it on the new website about about Gallagher and just his ability to find space and, and ghost into the edge of the area but he is definitely someone to to keep an eye on in the championship this season, for sure. Um, on loan from Chelsea at Charlton Athletic. On on that website note, I will just butt in here and just say that we do have a new a new site up where we are going to be hopefully posting some regular pieces that are a bit different from from what we do in the in the handbook. Uh, so go on there, check it out. Uh, there'll be regular updates as well of uh, the newest uh, episodes of the podcast. Uh, all the, the the handbook stuff is up there, and yeah, hopefully some some regular features. And we'll be taking as well some some submissions as well. If you if you're you're wanting to pitch something to us as well, so so keep that in mind. And uh, yeah, go go check it out. It's all all pink and all excellent. And the the two pieces up there on on Gallagher and and I'll do uh, Adil Alchish are, are, are really good. Staying in the championship, uh, there was an interesting uh, little narrative there with uh, Barnsley won Brentford three, where uh, Ollie Watkins, who has been great this this season, and, and in truth, in the past few seasons for Brentford uh, since his move from Exeter City, Ollie Watkins scored a hat trick of headers in terrible conditions at Oakwell in Barnsley, as as they came from from one nil down to to win three one in the end there, but the. I think the the one thing that really stuck out to to us was uh, the first assist uh, by Matthias Jensen, uh, you know, on the right hand side and whips a delightful ball in with that sort of right footed slap technique that that you see quite a lot um, from from flair players essentially at like Marco Asensio and and players like that. But a lovely sumptuous ball in, and then Ollie Watkins dispatches the header. But Again, Brentford are a very interesting side. I mean, Ollie Watkins has had to fulfil a role in a more central area, given the in the loss of of Neil Mopé uh, that uh, Brentford suffered in the summer as he moved to Brighton, and he's done really well. He's the Championship's top scorer now with seven goals, um, and each of his goals have been important. Brighton, uh, sorry, Brentford would be in dire straits without his goals. Um, he's the only Brentford player to score away from home this season, and. Yeah, for for Thomas Frank's side, he's he's a very important player. But alongside that, they have they still retained Saeed Benrahma, who I know has just turned twenty four, but he deserves an honourable mention uh, because he is very very exciting, one of the championship's best players last season. But 
what Steve was mentioning earlier, the uh, the introduction of Halil Devishoglu in January, that will be a very interesting one as well because he is cutting it up in, in the Eredivisie for Sparta Rotterdam at the moment. And coming into this front three, Devishoglu could could make some serious waves in the championship, I feel. Yeah, Watkins is sort of a... You know, I, I don't think he'll ever be a star player, um, but he's got these sort of Danny Welbeck... Uh, qualities where he can play wide, he can play through the middle and he's got a real physical presence. And I think in the Premier League particularly, um, these players could be so useful for teams, not just in the mid-table or in the lower half, but for but for the top sides as well. Because, you know, you need those squad players to to rotate and on a, in a particularly gruelling schedule, um, these players can, can really make the difference. So I think um, the more he's been given responsibility by Brentford, the more big, you know, Premier League sides will be keeping an eye out for him. And um, like you mentioned, with Ben Rama, with Dervisulu coming in, this could be a really, you know, exciting at- attacking trio. Um, and you know, we'll be we'll be keeping our our eyes firmly on that side in in January when he makes the move. May I just add as well that Halil is averaging six point nine attempted dribbles per ninety minutes. Uh, in the Eredivisie so far this season. So he's going to be electric when he comes in and hopefully that's going to kind of spark the rest of this this Brentford attack into life and hopefully he can he can take well to the championship and uh, and not be suppressed in expressing uh, the 6.9 dribbles uh, he attempts per game and completes 4.8 of them as well, which must be also said. Well, it was it was uh, Saeed Benrama last season who was doing those sorts of numbers and I'm pretty sure he'll be doing exactly the same this year. I haven't had the time to check if he has, but from when I've seen him, yeah, he's been that same skillful, direct, but also very neat and tidy sort of wide player. Um, but yeah, what you were saying about Watkins, Phil, he, he is that player that, you know, those teams probably in the bottom half of the Premier League, will be taking a look at because he does score a lot of goals, but he's also a hard worker as well. You know, he, he, um, he's he got very good link play and he's good on the break. He, his movement inside the penalty area is quite good as well. And yeah, I think he's a he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. He's going to be, you know, a 15-goal-a-season Premier League striker. I don't think that. I think Brighton got the right player when they went for Neil Mopé. Um but yeah, that that Brent that Brentford front three could be very interesting because they've also got Brian Mbwemo, who I completely forgot about there. Um, he again is is another wide player and is someone who does have the ability to to change a game just with his individual skill. Um, so there'll be competition for places when Dervishoglu arrives, and I think that can only serve Brentford well because again, just like last season, they'll be one of the championship's most exciting sides to watch as, as a neutral. And moving to the Bundesliga in particular, we, we can look at Schalke, who have, who have you know, surprised everybody with the appointment of David Wagner. Um, you know, after Tedesco struggled uh, towards the latter end of his stages last year, Wagner was brought in, you know, did a decent job at Huddersfield in the, um, at, in the Premier League, you know, did an amazing job keeping them up, particularly in that first season. Um, and his job was mainly to stabilise a, a club in in decline, really. Um, they'd spent money poorly. Uh, even the players at the club were, were performing under their potential. They'd lost a lot of young players like Julian Draxler, Leon Goretzka, Max Meyer, you know. And he's completely reshaped the side into this 
brutal attack, counter-attacking force. And um, we just wanted to touch on young Rabi Matondo, who uh, joined the club from Manchester City in January. And we actually had a chance to interview uh, in, in around April time, but that fell through for you know a number of reasons. But he uh, he's enjoyed a difficult time in, in Gelsenkirchen, but he was, he was rewarded with a start on, I think, Saturday, was it? And he uh, became the first Welshman to score in the Bundesliga since 1988. So uh, in, a, in an incredible performance, uh, a away win over RB Leipzig, who were high-flying under Julian Nagelsmann. And uh, Amin Harit as well, who's really come into his own after another stop last season. So these are, these are two really exciting players. Um, and I wonder if you guys had been keeping an eye on them. Yeah, I mean, I saw the, the, the goals from, from that Schalke RB Leipzig game. Um, and the, I remember seeing the notifications come through on my phone at the time and I saw Schalke go 1-0 up and then 2-0 up. And then I remember thinking, hold on, but I, I thought, you know, RB Leipzig, it's a bit of a fortress there. But no, I mean, the, the counter-attacking football that, that Schalke have, have, have instilled, well, sorry, that David Wagner has, has instilled in that team. As you were saying, Phil, that that sort of brutal approach is 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 paying dividends. And I mean, they they beat Paderborn five one uh, away from home with I mean Harit playing a starring role uh, in in what you could describe as sort of a comeback game. Um, since then, Harit has I think he's got six goal uh, four goal contributions since then, two goals and two assists uh, on top of his two goals against Paderborn. And I mean that that's three times as many as he had in the entirety of last season. So to see Arit playing well again is a breath of fresh air because I remember the his first season in Germany was good. It was very good, really, really promising. But he just felt that he had to back it up with another season. And I mean, last year was bad all around for Schalke. I mean, going from finishing second in 2017-18 to, to finishing 14th or 15th, I think it was last season. Um, they were only four or five points clear of the relegation playoff as well. I mean that was just a it was a free fall, so they needed something to to rejig and, and re-energize that club. And I'll be I'll be the first to admit I was surprised that David Wagner has has been so successful there so far. I think he did well at Huddersfield. I think you have to credit him for that. But I think that it went stale very quickly, and he didn't react well to that. I don't think his players reacted well to that. And I don't think he had the personnel at Huddersfield to fulfil his high pressing approach, his like that counter attacking philosophy. So I think the Bundesliga has been a good landing ground for him, uh, for that. And you know, full credit to him, he's doing very well with with Schalke. And what you were saying on on Rabi Matondo, yeah, he's someone that I mean, again, Blue um, scouted. He he's a very big fan of Rabi Matondo as well, uh, being a Welshman himself, but. Yeah, they they are they are definitely one to watch this year, um, Schalke because again Bayern not looking too strong, Borussia Dortmund looking a bit iffy, um, and you know if RB Leipzig Leipzig aren't going to make their home games a fortress, then hey, who's to say that you know Schalke could spring a surprise and and break into that top three or four? Uh, and there's more than just Hurry and 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 Matondo as well. Uh, Schalke have kind of over the last few years put together. Uh, a team with a few interesting, exciting uh, young players, despite some of their struggles last year. Uh, they've picked up uh, Ozan Kabak, uh, the Turkish centre-back from Stuttgart, who looks like he's going to be a, a really, really strong player. 
Alexander Nubel has, has uh, stepped up into the goalkeeping position and he's performed excellently. Has uh, definitely uh, been one of the best young goalkeepers uh, in Europe over the last uh, last few months. Uh, and then uh, they picked up John Joe Kenny from Everton uh, on loan and uh, Juan Miranda from Barcelona on loan as well. So it's interesting to see them uh, reinforce with some of those loan signings. The one for Miranda is a really good one for, for two years and Kenny has performed outstandingly since he arrived at the club. Uh, and then in midfield, they've got uh, Weston McKenney, who has struggled, I think, a little bit uh, recently, but he's another one that uh, American fans are putting a, a lot of pressure on to, to succeed for them, and, and uh, he definitely has a fair bit of potential. And moving on from, from Schalke, just a quick look at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Marcus Turam. Uh, he was brought in from, from Gangomp in the summer, uh, unfortunately relegated from Ligon, but he was by far their standout performer. And after a, a slightly slow start in, in Germany, he's really found his feet of late, uh, contributing to four goals in his last two games against Fortuna Dusseldorf and Hoffenheim. Uh, that's three goals and one assist. And you just feel now that he's, as he finds his feet, he can be a really you know impressive focal point for this, for this Mönchengladbach side who have been a bit of a mixed bag, honestly, under Marco Rosa. Uh, they got absolutely spanked in the Europa League a few weeks ago. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that's not really their main concern, um, particularly in Europe. They'll be focused on a, on a strong domestic campaign. And slowly, you know, they'll, they'll be climbing that table. And, and Turan was was excellent again against Hoffenheim. He he just brings so much personality and power to to a front line with his direct dribbling. I mean, he's an absolute unit first. He's like a physical specimen uh in a similar to sort of Erling Brot Haaland as well where he's quite deceiving because you just expect him to sort of you know put himself about and dominate duels but he's he's really technical in the ball he can lead the line he can link play you know he runs the channel so well and if he can add just a tiny bit more composure in front of goal uh which is which has been lacking in the past then there's probably a devastating player in there and um you know it's when your dad was such a a professional footballer, such an amazing footballer, there's always that shadow you need to sort of stay clear from. And um, slowly, slowly, he's he's sort of developing into his own player um, and he's earning a really a really strong reputation in Germany. And I think he could be a really excellent signing for Gladbach. Yeah, Phil, and I noticed that uh, Turam's been playing up front with a, a former scattered football favourite son, Alassane player uh, for, for Borussia Mönchengladbach. How's that dynamic between the the two Frenchmen been so far this season no it's been it's been promising I actually profiled Alessand player in the second handbook I believe uh when he was at Nice um he sort of out of nowhere just exploded that season uh under Lucien Favre but yeah the uh the way they play at Gladbach is is more of a conventional partnership um you know at players quite tidy on the ball so he'll he'll sort of tuck in deep and then and then as soon as he gets on the ball, it's like a trigger. Um, Turam's on his bike straight away, running the channels, um, you know, trying to beat that last defender on the shoulder. And they're both, you know, the main source of goals for Gladbach. Um, I mean, Mbolo moved there from, from Schalke over the summer and he's done okay. He's bagged two goals um, in, a, in a sort of, he's he's been playing quite deep as well, which is quite unusual for him. Um, but yeah, player has three goals, two assists 
uh, Turam has three goals, one assist. So they're, they're slowly uh, forming that that striking partnership now. And I think there's a lot of power, there's craft, there's speed. Um, and if they can sort of just spend a few more weeks together uh, after the winter break, they could be a really devastating partnership. We'll leave our, our Borussia Mönchengladbach chat there, but also people need to be uh, keeping an eye on Lajla Benesh as well because he he should be uh, starting to hit hit top stride this season and I'm expecting some some big things from him, but, but we'll leave it there. Speaking of players with, with famous fathers, uh, it would be rude not to mention um, Yanis Haji's uh, weekend display in the Limburg derby uh, for KRC Genk against uh, Sintruden. Uh, the game finished 3-3, but uh, Genk went 3-0 up thanks to a hand from Haji in all three goals. Uh, he got the assist for Theo Bongonda's header in the first half and then in the second half dispatched two penalties, which... You know, again, ordinarily, it's not that diff- it's not difficult to score a penalty, you know what I mean? But Haji took his first penalty with his right foot, scored. Then, 12 minutes later, stepped up, took a second penalty, but took it with his left. And I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't watch the game live, but watching the game back, he just has this swagger about him. He has this, this, this nonchalant attitude and that the can turn at any moment and... After his first goal, he seemed so energized and and not cocky, but you know he was trying through balls a lot more. He was he was really trying to you know engage the the, the three uh, attacking players ahead of him in in Ito, um, Samata, and Bongonda with you know more daring passes. And I think you know, very similar to to Jorge Haji, uh, he does have this this natural maverick flair about him, and and I thought that you know. It, on the topic of, of players with, with famous fathers, then Yanis Haji he had, had to had to come out with a little mention for him there. But yeah, the, the end, Genk ended up drawing the game three uh, three, throwing it away completely. Um, but yeah, they're they're going to struggle in the Champions League, I think. But Haji, you know what? I think he's he's doing all right so far. Um, hasn't played loads, but if he continues to play in that midfield three at the tip of the midfield three with two wingers either side of him and, and, a, and, a, and a man like Samata up top I think that'll get the best out of him um, but that relies on Felice Mazu playing him in that role which he hasn't done a lot he's been on the bench a lot but yeah Haji was uh, Haji was another one actually um, who, who had a, a standout performance for, for, for different reasons for more spectacular reasons Moving on to what is fast becoming a weekly feature of the Scouted Football podcast is our Red Bull Salzburg feature or update. Um, Steve, you've seen um, what was a stellar display uh, from 19-year-old Seku Koita at the weekend as they they won 4-1 and he had a hand in all four goals. Yes, he's a man on a mission uh, to try and... uh upstage the man who couldn't possibly upsta- be upstaged and that's Erling Brotter Haaland but he's trying his best Seku Koita uh, fresh off a fantastic under 20 World Cup he's into his first uh, full season with uh, Abi Salzburg and, and put in an unbelievable performance on the weekend a uh, pair of assists pair of goals uh, a highlight was the second assist where he just got the ball in, in uh, attacking midfield and, and just played this delightful uh, left-footed chipped uh, through ball 
to an on, on, oncoming striker into the box to score. Uh, something you would expect from your your creative attacking midfielder, not from your uh, hustle and bustle uh, centre forward, but he can do a bit of everything, Koita. Uh, he's left with his magic. Uh, he makes great decisions. Uh, on the first goal he assisted, uh, could have blazed away and taken a, taken a shot, and he was in a good position, uh, but made the little wall pass to his onrushing teammate to to finish a, an easier chance. Uh, both well-taken goals as well. A great performance, and uh, he's putting in a, a case for, for some, some more regular minutes. And I think as uh, Salzburg take control of the league, that there, there's going to be a fair bit of rotation through through that centre-forward spot. Yeah, with the the likes of Erling Haaland and and Patson Dacca as well in in that side, uh, there are going to be opportunities for for um, for rotation, as you mentioned there. Uh, just going back to to what you said about that second assist, uh, it is it's a lovely clipped pass in into um, his teammate there who scores Salzburg's third goal. Uh, but it's from yeah from that attacking midfield area, he drops deep, picks the ball up, and then plays that left footed pass in. And just to um, to reference the, the the third volume of the Scarlet Football Handbook of Sekou Koita's profile, uh, there's a bit which goes uh, to coin a Robin van Persie phrase. Koita is much more of a nine and a half than a number nine. He's a great counter-attacking presence, hence why he can be used as both an attacking midfielder and a central striker. And I think with that versatility that he, that he has, it makes him just a more multifunctional, more more rounded attacking player. Because he has the ability to to play as as a ten or, or as a central striker or in as a as a number nine alongside a, a more dominant striker like someone like um, like Erling Haaland, uh, but it, it's it's when he when he initially moved to Red Bull Salzburg he was a self proclaimed number ten but his his physical profile and his his speed and his reactions in the final third have, have kind of lent better to to being a number nine so that's why he's been playing up front. In sort of Jesse Marsh's four four two, but yeah, they're really exciting this season. Red Bull Salzburg, so many, so many really good players, um, and Seku Koita is just just one of them. And also a shout for his uh, international teammate Mohamed Kamara, who came in and uh, and made it. I think it was his first start, if I'm if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was. He, he's kind of been promoted up from from FC Liefering, which is uh, one of Red Bull Salzburg's. Um, feeder clubs essentially or satellite clubs um in 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 the austrian second division i think it is another one of those players uh, but who wasn't involved against austria vienna at the weekend um was dominic soboslai who during midweek uh, scored a wonderful free kick uh, in in the ofb cup against rapid vienna uh, phil i mean you've you've seen this free kick i mean you've waxed lyrical about it and yeah t- i mean talk us through soboslai talk us through how first of all how you spell his name, but also how he's a real demon at set pieces. I mean, I'm not even going to bother trying butchering his name. I think it's Shoboshlai, but that is from a a place of no expertise. So don't, you know, take that for, for gospel. But yeah, I just think particularly from set pieces, he's got this technique where he gets so much pace on the ball. It's like pace and dip, which is, you know, two deadly combinations. And this uh, free kick against Rapid Vienna was literally, if you could put an ideal imaginary target in the top corner, it it would have slapped it, uh, gone straight through it. I mean, it was honestly perfect delivery, perfect technique, up and over the wall. Goalkeeper stood absolutely no chance. And 
you know, his his all round play as as a ten or a number eight is is slowly improving. His decision making is is quite brilliant for someone his age, and he's got the the physical profile to be, um, you know, physically uh, sort of impactful as well. Um, a bit like Julian Draxler, actually. Um, you know, he's quite quite stocky, quite lanky, and that that means he can dribble with the ball. But I think particularly from set pieces, having someone in your team who can spank one in from 25, 30 yards with such devastating technique. And even from from further out or from corners, his delivery is excellent. He's he's quite famed for putting the ball into that corridor of uncertainty between back four and goalkeeper. A bit like De Bruyne, actually. Um, he's just bagging assists every weekend. Uh, scary, honestly. Um, but yeah, Schroboschlei has, has sort of that ability to, to just put the ball where he wants it. And I think, you know, him and Haaland were both rested uh, over the weekend in, in preparation of their Champions League fixture against Liverpool. And I think that, that just speaks volumes about how they're valued within this uh, Salzburg squad. And, you know, they they go into that game as extreme underdogs. Um, but even that's the perfect stage for them to shine. And, and hopefully we'll, we can see them uh, up close and personal because this is the perfect opportunity for them to to really stake a claim. That just about wraps up our Red Bull Salzburg update for this episode and wraps up this week's pod. Um, Thank you to Phil and to Steve for joining me on this one. And thanks again for tuning in. uh, If you've been listening, please leave us a review, um, hopefully a kind one. And and do check out the new website. Uh, We've got a lot of new stuff on there. It's lovely and pink. It's it's brand spanking new. And um, we're going to be getting out a steady content stream of, of articles and and pieces and just different things from from the Twitter and the handbook uh, just to, to put on there. So that should be good. You can visit that at www.scoutedftbl.com. Uh, and that's, that's all for today. See you next week. Um, bye-bye.